Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. We are in the most important series that we've ever been in. It's all centered around this table. Now don't get it twisted, man. It's all about the cross. But what we know about Jesus is this dude, our rabbi, found himself always at a table. You ever notice that, man? Six days before he goes to his death, what was he doing? At a table, breaking bread, hanging out with people. And so we've started thinking about, you know, how do we create a space where the environment of the table, how do we describe the kinds of table that Jesus had in mind? What, what kind of place do we wanna be? And if you haven't listened to the series yet, you can go online, go to back to the podcast, but we call it Seventh Floor. Really all Seventh Floor is, is Acts chapter 13 again, that we wanna see seventh floors, like this, this, this table mentality springing up everywhere in Rockford and Elgin and Chicago around the world. And on week one, we said, look, what's the core element of this seventh floor table? And the core element is no doubt that it's centered in Jesus. Like our centerpiece at our table at this church isn't the color of hat that you wear, the team that you're on. It's not where you come from. It's not tribal. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. He's at the center of the table. And something amazing happens. Jesus said it in John chapter 17. I talked about it in week one. This is what he read. This is what he said when he was talking to his father. He said, as you father are in me, I'm in you and may they also be in us so that the whole world will believe that you sent me. You know what that means is like when we get around the table and crazy different people love each other in ways the world doesn't understand, it isn't just so that we have kumbaya moments. It proves that Jesus is who he said he was. He says, the glory that you've given me, I've given them so that they may be one. So they may be one. A table that's centered on Jesus. Bring who you are. Bring the team you root for. Be a Democrat, be a Republican, be a Bears fan. You sit at this table because it's Jesus that's at the center of our table. And then last week, Trevor taught us. He said, then now we have a responsibility though, that we've got to set the table. He, he unveiled this concept of radical hospitality. Like where we, we set the table, we put Jesus at the center, but we... Set the table. It's not by accident that tables like this will exist and thrive in a world that's so divided. It's when we intentionally set the table and we practice radical hospitality. And so then what does it mean for us then? And I thought a lot about it this week, like, okay, if radical hospitality is this thing, a Jesus-centered table that is set in radical hospitality, what's an element of radical hospitality that we must embrace? What's the element that we must live out? And I was reminded how important this element that we're gonna talk about today as an element of radical hospitality because one of the saddest things we're seeing in our world, we talked about it from the jump, is that not only are we divided outside these walls, 
we as human beings tend to blow up relationships everywhere we go. In fact, we can do a great job of setting a table as a church, but did you know there's more church splits happening right now than there's ever happened in the history of the church? In fact, there was an article that just was written, broke my heart. I think it was in Newsweek. It was called, What Church Splits Can Teach Us About a Divided America. What Church Splits Can Teach Us. And read Read with me this paragraph. Actually, I don't think it'll be on the board, so I'll read it to you. It says this. An uncanny number of people are imagining the looming collapse of the United States. Some speak openly of preparing for civil war, while others crow about the need for a national divorce between red and blue states. Most, though, whisper these thoughts. They look at a country seemingly at a breaking point, and they begin to wonder whether we may indeed be heading for a national conflict of some kind. To answer such questions, perhaps even the most secular Americans should look at a religious phenomenon that has proven in years past to be a leading indicator of our nation's failures, church splits. The one place where a table like this ought to be proof that unity can happen is the one place everybody's looking at to say, see, it's all coming undone. So how do we live out radical hospitality knowing that honestly, this world needs it? Well, honestly, I... I, I think what I'm about to tell you is one of those where as a preacher who's been doing this for 20 years, I start to speak on these things and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna preach on something that everybody's gonna be bored with it. Because it's like one of those topics that you're like, well, of course you're gonna talk about this at church. But the truth is, sometimes I wonder if maybe we just need to over and over speak on this one concept and it's the idea of grace. Grace. If you think about radical hospitality, the, the kind of table that Jesus set, the kind of or set, the kind of table we want to be as a church, I can't get away from this fundamental concept that if we don't apply grace in such unbelievable portions at tables like this, not only will they not get set, but even if they do, they'll probably get blown up. And there's two pieces to this concept of grace. I'm gonna play with this uh, with a few words. And let me start by saying this. We will never have a table that truly is what Jesus had in mind here at Forest City Church if we as people aren't first those that accept grace. You know, there's two types of people when it comes to this concept of grace. And it's Actually, oftentimes when we talk about grace, we, know, we think we know what, what grace is. But let me be really clear when I begin to describe grace. I'm, I'm really not talking about grace as a noun, but grace as a verb, something you experience physically and then extend out. But oftentimes when we speak of grace, people think, oh, this is just for sinners, right? That grace is just for people who've messed up. But everybody in church, we don't need Grace. We experienced it once. We came to church one day and we heard that we were broken and we crossed the line of faith and we were saved by what? 
Yeah, right? We were saved by grace. And that's where so many of us leave it. I was saved once by grace. I'm so glad it existed. I became united, reconciled with God. It's so great, but it's, it, it, it is true that we need grace to be saved. But Dallas Willard goes one step further. Dallas, who is probably one of the greatest minds around spiritual formation in the last 20 years, said this about grace. He said, grace, saints burn grace like rockets burn rocket fuel. See, grace isn't just for being saved. Grace is the fuel by which we live. Grace is what gives us the strength to build tables like this, to forge strong families. Grace is that fuel that gets us through the hardest times in our life, the divorce, the sickness, the illness. It is grace. We need it. It is like fuel. And yet so many of us have thought, oh, I thought grace was just a one-time fill-up and then I'm done. No, 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 no. We have to learn how to be accepting grace all the time. And what I've found is there's two, type, two types of us, two reasons, two pe- types of people who struggle with living in the abundance of grace, living in it. First is the person who doesn't think they need it. Some of you in this room, that's you. I probably, I probably get that as much as anybody, right? Like type A personalities, driven got my thing. And I was thinking, how do I sometimes think about grace? I think some of us do this. Now, I've been starting to go back to the gym. Uh, You can't tell yet. You can't tell yet. You can't tell yet. But I got to get some stuff squared away, you know, in this this, uh, body because I'm closer to 50 than I am to 40. And um, there's one particular apparatus I don't particularly like. Um, It's the apparatus called the bench press. Now, the bench press is this thing where you lay down on a deal, for those of you that don't know, and you take the bar off and you push it down your chest, you're laying on your back. But see, I grew up in a house too, and I don't think my mom's here today, um, so I won't get in trouble. But my mom made me afraid of everything. You have a mom like that? Don't you go over there, you're gonna fall off the cliff, you're gonna die. Don't touch that, you're gonna get electrocuted. Do not eat that, you might die. Like that, my mom was like always telling me about all the ways in which I might perish. And so the bench press was one my mom convinced me, don't do the bench press. Why? Because it's going to land in your chest and then it might roll to your neck, it'll kill you. <laughs> so I was always a little bit afraid of the bench press. And to this day, it's like um, going in there, I, I, I don't like to go do the bench press by myself. My, my mom's in my brain going, you're going to die. And nobody wants to die at the YMCA, right? <laughs> so I always think about the bench press and I, I'm like, I want to have somebody there, like a spotter. I wanna have somebody there so that, you know, when I'm powering through my bench press and doing what I need to do, when I get to, you know, the eighth one or the ninth one and it's really, really hard, you have this spotter that will help you pull that back onto the rack. And oftentimes it's interesting how we think about grace. Those of us that don't think we need it, we, we think about it in, in terms of, well, isn't that what grace is? Grace is one of those things that I just use it once I've, I've done all my hard work, I've really fought to the end, and he gets me just over the edge. We do most of the heavy lifting on our own, and God's grace is there to spot us. He just gets the last few reps in. 
So I'll call on grace when I need it, when I'm really tired, when my business is in trouble, when I, I've got just a little bit of gas left. But the reality is that isn't how grace is intended to be used in the lives of followers of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say that we're people who need help crossing the finish line. The Bible tells us that we are spiritual corpses that need to be infused with life. So many of us don't live in grace because we're like, I got it. I got it. I'll call them when I need them. Now, there's a second group that don't live that don't accept grace because you fundamentally believe that there isn't any amount of grace that can fix you. You look in the mirror and you know what a hot mess you are and you're pretty sure that the person you see, the way you see you, God sees you. And he's looking up over heaven going, I wish they'd just get it together. Maybe if they get it together, I'll throw them a little love, a little bit of grace. And so we live most of our lives, those of us that believe we deserve this punishment, refusing to accept anything because we can't imagine God would want to give me anything. Maybe it's because your mom or your dad said things about you. Maybe it's the way you grew up. But either way, you've got this blip going in your mind. There is no way that God could give grace to a person like me. And because of this, inside of Christian communities, because whatever the reason we fail to understand or live full, fully accepting his grace, it is why... Tables that are intended to be fueled by grace split apart. Not because we don't desire to be together, but because many of us do not live accepting grace in our lives. And because of that, it is impossible for us to swim in the sea of grace. In other words, you can't give what you don't got. Right? And no wonder. We sit at the table, somebody says something, and we're like, I thought that was going to break. We're like, I'm out. But isn't this happen all the time? How many of you have shattered relationships? You have to raise your hand. Every single one of you have probably been in a space where you've walked, you, you've walked away from a table, and you're like, I'm done. You're canceled. Or you left the table because you're canceled. Churches are splitting all over the place. Relationships are blowing up all over the place. We just went through a pandemic. Folks, y'all crazy. Seriously. How many families broke up over a piece of cloth? One side is going, I can't believe you don't put a mask on your face. The other side's going, I can't believe you put a mask on your face. We scream at each other and we're out. We're out. We're out. This cannot be Jesus' table. It can't be. You say, why are you spending so much time on this series, Seventh Floor, and talking about the table? Because this, this is it. Don't you understand? In the early church, you know the only reason it kept going? 
when they were being persecuted in Rome and they were running underground in the catacombs, wasn't because there was a preacher and fancy music and we got to come to church. They didn't have any of that. It was because the table that they sat at was so radically different than anything they'd ever experienced, ever. Because people like them got to sit with people like this. You mean I get to be here at this table? I'm a Gentile, I'm a slave. I'm the wrong ethnic makeup. And Jesus' followers went, you're welcome here. You can sit here. If we don't understand how to receive his grace, we cannot give it. The apostle Paul says in Galatians 5, 1, he says, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. It's for freedom for your freedom for sure, but for others, stand firm and don't let yourselves be burdened again by this yoke of slavery. If we wanna build tables like this for a city church first, we have to learn how to accept his grace. For whatever reason it is that you push it away or you don't live in it, I'm talking about not accepting it once, learning how to live by it, burn it. But if we do that, something beautiful will happen. I just flipped those words around and I'd call it the grace of acceptance. If you accept grace, you can practice the grace of acceptance. You know, if you look at Jesus' ministry, look what he was doing all the time. He was going to tables, sitting with people. Six days before his death, as I forementioned, two days before his death, he was always at tables. Religious leaders were always angry with him. Always mad at him, like, why? what is he doing? He can't sit with prostitutes. He can't touch lepers. He can't go into homes of tax collectors. He can't wash the feet of his betrayer. What is he doing? Countless times. Jesus was basically saying to everybody, look, look, the grace of acceptance, I receive you, you come sit with me. You, me? Mm-hmm, You. He'd fill his table with people that would never get to sit at a religious leader's table. And then he'd look at his followers and he'd say, let me teach you something. In Luke chapter 6, verse 37, hey, judge not. Not this table. Because trust me, you don't want to be judged. And he says, condemn not. You don't want to be condemned, do you? Forgive and you'll be forgiven. You see, see, see this nature of receiving and giving, receiving and giving, receiving and giving. I accept grace. And then there's the grace of acceptance. You know, I'm learning this and, and, and I thought a lot about how masks and vaccinations and racial divides, thought about socioeconomic issues we've had for hundreds and hundreds of years, how we create tables that just look like the things we know. And then we push people into these categories that we feel comfortable with, right? Where we go, oh, those over there. That's what those people. We, we walk into rooms and we start to divide them up, tribe them up. But, but it's pretty simple to understand the grace of acceptance. If you understand the reality of every human being, that number one, all of us are a whole lot alike. I mean, like, for real, you were created by God. I was created by God. You were created in his image. I was created in his image. There is nobody 
There is nobody you will lock eyes with ever, 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 never, ever that wasn't created in his image, that doesn't bear God's image. So if you don't like that image bearer, you're basically looking at God and going, well, you messed up. That's on you, man. Good luck with that. See, we're very much alike. And yet, for the very reason that we are image bearers, there's something else that's pretty cool about us. We're actually unique too. There's a beauty in how God made us different, right? If he wanted us all to be a same, the same way, the same color skin, the same color hair, the same bald head, he would have made us all bald. Some of you are like, thank God, right? We are absolutely made in his image We are brothers and sisters, and we are uniquely made. Like both of those things together. You know, I think when we practice the grace of acceptance, where we really do look at everybody who sits at their table and we go, you're a brother and sister in Christ, and I I receive, I celebrate everything that's unique about you. Something beautiful happens at a table. I was talking to somebody after the first service. Pulled me aside. Very, very quietly wanted to share something with me after this message. She said, just want you know, I've been to 13 different churches. Now, when you know how many churches you've been to, you've been keeping track. She goes, I've been to 13 different churches. And this is the first time I ever walked in a place where nobody judged me because of my tattoos and the rings in my lips and the way that I look. And she was teared in her eyes. Well, that's you all. That's this table, right? Because many of us have that story. We've been saying we want to build this place like it looks like heaven. It looks like Rockford because Rockford looks like heaven. A place where people walk by and go, I cannot believe that you all sit at the same table. How in the world you make, how are you doing this? Because if we practice grace, the acceptance of grace, and then we practice grace of acceptance, what happens is this table looks like Jesus And Jesus said in John chapter 17, the world will see it, and then they'll go, Jesus is real. And then they'll come to the table, right? And then they'll sit with us, and our table will keep getting longer. We'll pull these things out. There's a little thing down here. I could pull it out. I didn't get ready. But you pull it out, and you pull the other out, and we'll keep adding people. And because we live out of this grace, why we keep adding people is because we don't let it get blown up. No, no, you can't. No, we're not going to blow it up. You don't have to leave. Here's the trick. Here's the trick. When we practice the grace of acceptance, not only do we understand that everybody is made in God's image, but there's also uniqueness to us, but also it takes the pressure off of you. You are not God's sandpaper. You don't have to fix anybody. Listen, listen. Sometimes the reason why people don't feel comfortable at the table is because we have an idea like, well, your mother didn't do a very good job raising you, so I'll take over from here. I'll take it over here at the church. We'll get you all squared away. You don't have to do that. The creator of the universe who created that human being and knows that every single part down to how many hairs are on that person's head, he will do a fine job. Doesn't need your help. Doesn't need my help. 
doesn't need my help. In fact, the Bible tells us that the convictor of sin isn't us, isn't the preacher. It's the Holy Spirit. And we know this, that when you come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. That power is inside you. You don't have to fix anybody. That's not your job. Peter 4.8 says this, just above all, above all, just love each other. Just love each other deeply. Because love, listen to what he says, love actually covers a multitude of sins. You notice he doesn't say love everybody, now go fix their sins so you can love them. He says, no, 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 above all, love each other because you can sit at a table with somebody who still has rough edges and you don't even have to worry about it. Right? Listen, this is what we're trying to let grow. A place that really does say to this city, come on, you can come here. We don't have it all figured out. Some of you, I know you're like, man, sometimes you share a lot about how you, you're not very perfect. I'm like, well, I don't want you to be disappointed when you really get to know me, <laughs> you know? I'm like you. I'm trying really hard to understand Jesus, to fight fear that I have, to push back sinful natures that I have. I'm just like you. I'm on a journey to try to live a cruciform life, to align my life with that of Jesus. But I will not rest until every single seed is filled with people who are on that same journey. I don't care where you are on the journey. I don't care how long it takes you to get there. If you want to sit at this table, as long as the Lord lets me, come. Come exactly as you are because you are made in God's image and your uniqueness is beautiful. Beautiful. I want to say this before I close. Sometimes you all get frustrated with me. And I know because you send me emails and I always share my email. I'm totally cool if you send me like emails when you're upset. Um, Eric.parks at forestcitychurch.com. Sometimes people are like, why are you always calling out groups? Why, will you, why are you saying black, brown, white? Why do you say rich and poor? Why do you say gay and straight? Why do you say that? Why are you always calling that out? I don't get it. Because... There's groups of people, whether you know it or not, in this community that don't feel safe coming in those doors. They don't. And so it's okay for us. Jesus did it. He would call out marginalized communities. And sometimes I've had people go, why don't you say everybody? Because that's like when Jesus was talking up on the, on the mountain, he says, blessed are the widows, right? I'd be like somebody standing up and going, well, wait a minute, Jesus, you mean blessed are all people? No. Jesus meant blessed are the widows. Why? Because the widows, nobody cares about widows. He wanted them to know, in my kingdom, you get to sit at the table. They assumed they didn't get to. The reason why we call this out is because we want everybody in this community to know. You can sit at this table. This is a Jesus-centered table. We're going to hold this thing together with grace. We're gonna build it on grace and hold it together on grace. This is us. I had a friend this week 
was actually a few weeks ago, who's been living in our community. And I said, hey, would you just quickly like share your story about what God's doing in your life? And um, I think this will bless you. This is my friend, Ade. My name is Adiva Toro. I um, live in Rockford. I've been going to Forest City since December. I actually stopped going to church and I was looking for a church. And um, I actually had gone out out of a out of a, like a really bad breakup. I was just doing life alone. <laughs> and that took me down a depression place where I was just home, like, not not happy at all. Um, yeah, so I was just, like, in this really dark place, and uh, Chad kept coming to um, the coffee shop. I worked at Velvet Robot, and he came in and was like, oh, I think you, sh you would be great for um, my team, and at first I was like, ugh, okay. Um, but he kept coming in and kept saying, you know, I think you, you should come to church someday. You should come say hi. And at first I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. Eventually I was like, okay, I'm just going to go try it and see. And it felt weird, but I don't know. There was something about that whole situation that I was like, I need to go back and see, you know, how I really feel about it. So obviously like God's trying to get me back to church and I don't know how I feel about this so I went and there was a sermon that happened and I just felt like God just touching me like touching my heart and just kind of like just being like okay yeah, they come back you know like this it's a safe place here and you can just come back man I think it's just the realness of it uh, I've gone to a lot of churches where Everyone just seems like they have to be perfect and they have to be holy and they have to be just the most godliest people. But here, man, I just, the authenticity of it and the realness of it, I just, I so much appreciate how everyone comes to our level, wherever we're at, you know? So. I was so messed up, like I was just emotionally not healthy. I was spiritually super separated from God um, when Chad came by and like he just, I didn't feel that heaviness of having to be perfect to come to church. Like I could literally just come to church as I was and be accepted um, for who I am and what I was going through. and like still be loved um, and still be like preached to. For the first time, I couldn't judge them because they never judged me. And you know, and, and so to me that was huge. Like, wow, I can be myself, love Jesus in the messed up space that I'm in, you know, and ment mentally, um, but yeah, still be seen and not feel that heaviness on me. It's become a family, you know? Like we've become a, a huge family. Um, I'm the type of person that if I'm in, I'm all in, or I'm not in at all. And this is something that, if you're missing a community um, and you really are looking for 
a, a new family, whether your your real family left or isn't um, there for you, uh, get plugged in. You know, volunteering is a perfect way to um, get plugged in because you get to meet a lot of people um, every week. Um, you get to talk to a lot of people. Uh, yeah, and just show showing up, being consistent. It's kind of like the gym. You know, you can't see a change unless you're being consistent, unless you show up, unless you do the work. Um, but you can't, like, you're not going to find all of that if you're just sitting on, you know, in benches waiting for something to happen. Hmm. For City Church... Grace, when, when you can when you can accept grace, it enlarges it enlarges your heart in some unbelievable ways. And as we spread the grace of acceptance, it will enlarge our table in some unbelievable ways. Dallas Willard said this: Grace, you know, doesn't have to do with the forgiveness of sins alone. Grace is for all of life. This is a core component of a Jesus-centered, radical hospitality approach to seeing the gospel be made known. Grace for everyone. Will you stand with me? I want to pray a prayer blessing on you and remind you that when we're finished here, there's a family meeting next door in the chapel and we invite all of you to stick through. It will be less than an hour of just filling you in on all that's going on in the life of our church. But let me say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you. For City Church, may he give you peace. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Grace and peace. We'll see you guys next week as we keep going.